This is the Fertile Mindset Podcast, where we explore all the emotional aspects of fertility to support you on your path to parenthood. My name is Sarah Holland. I'm the Fertile Mindset Coach and a mother to two children after my own fertility challenges. I hope you find all the support and inspiration you need within this podcast to carry you forward on your fertility journey towards your own successful outcome. It's also my wish that through listening to these episodes, you rediscover how to enjoy life now and live it to the full while you wait for your baby. Now, let's begin today's episode. Hello and welcome to episode 15 of the Fertile Mindset podcast where it's time for another interview and this time I invited my friend Sheila Lamb to join us. We had a chat about her own fertility journey, what the experience of fertility treatment was like for her and how she transformed that experience into support for the fertility community through her writing. Sheila became a mother after six years of fertility issues, multiple treatment cycles, and finally a successful donor egg cycle in Spain at the age of 47. Her story is honest and so inspiring, and I think you're going to love hearing it. And if you'd then like to talk more with Sheila and I, she will be coming into the private Facebook group for my Fertile Mindset Sanctuary membership on Tuesday, the 30th of March at 8.30 p.m. UK time. If you are a member of the sanctuary on a paid membership level, you will be able to join us there and it will be lovely to continue the conversation and answer any questions you have after listening to this interview, which I hope you enjoy listening to right now. Hello, Sheila. Welcome to the podcast. It's so lovely to have you with us today. How are you? Hi, Sarah. Thank you for inviting me. I'm very good. Thank you very much. All the better for speaking with you. Yeah, it's been a long time since we've actually seen each other in person, isn't it? We used to meet up at all kinds of fertility events in London and and things like that. But yeah, obviously none of that's happening right now. But hopefully we'll get to meet again sometime in the not too distant future. (laughs) Yes. So, I mean, we had a little chat before we came on to record here. But, you know, the main reason that I invited you on is because I find you to be such an inspiring person, very honest, um, very authentic about your own fertility journey. And and your own fertility journey had its twists and turns, didn't it? And, it, you know, you had obstacles to overcome and and, you know, you, you explored different avenues to, to conceive your baby and finally have your lovely daughter. And I know that your story is really inspiring to others. Um, as well as what you've done afterwards, which we're going to talk about the whole kind of journey that you've been on, both your fertility journey and then also what you've done afterwards, which is amazing how your life still now is around supporting the fertility community. So we have loads to talk about. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We'll talk quickly. Oh, yeah. And so shall we start with with your own fertility journey then? Where did that begin and, and what happened for you? Yes, yes. Okay, well, um, I was a bit late to the uh, game, I suppose. I was about 40, 40, 41. Um, My husband was 11 years younger than me, but he still is, obviously. Um, So obviously, you know, a bit younger meant that he wasn't maybe on quite the same page as me when when we met a couple of years before. Anyway, um, so after after we hadn't got pregnant, um, we went to the doctors who told us to keep trying. I wasn't happy with that. I do have a background as a midwife and a nurse, so I kind of had a little bit, obviously, more information than maybe some people have. Anyway, long story short, we did go to the fertility, uh, were, were, were um, sent to a fertility consultant specialist who did the usual tests. Now, 
this is back in like 2005, 2006. That was quite a long time ago. Um, we were given the diagnosis of unexplained. Um, went to a clinic in London. Um, and we did a first cycle of IUI, which wasn't successful. They suggested we immediately just go to IVF. So we did IVF, um, but because I was I was 41, maybe 42 by this stage, we were advised to do the um, pre-implantation genetic screening, um, which was very new at that time. So we, uh, uh, for our first IVF cycle, we had ICSI with the PG uh, S, I think it is screening, and um, I we had six embryos that were tested. I can't remember exactly how many eggs I were collected, but six were tested, and only one was normal. But at five days, um, it was still only ten cells, so it had possibly even stopped developing. But anyway, the clinic said, well, you know, we'll put the embryo back. So we did. But I think before I even did the test, um, my, I had my period. So that didn't work. Um, so we went back for a visit and they said, um, we really suggest you do donor egg, um, which we didn't want to do. So we tried naturally um, for another couple of years, I did acupuncture. I drank the I did Chinese medicine, which tasted disgusting. <laughs> uh, I can still taste it now. <laughs> you know, went tried to de-stress everything that you're supposed to do, um, nutrition-wise, organic foods, etc. Um, with hindsight, what I never really looked into was any sort of um, counselling or, uh, you know any sort of mind work it was all to do obviously with the you know sort of food nutrition um etc which is so, what I think most people do don't you because like you've just been told that due to your egg quality they thought mm -hmm. that egg donor would be the best route so of course you're going to think well what would improve the the quality of my eggs yeah. and cell health and so on so yeah it makes sense to to go down that route yeah yes yes um and of course this is prior to all the support online that there is of course. anyway funnily enough I was reading a, a article in the paper in Sunday paper and it was an article about uh, this clinic in Spain and they were talking to an English nurse who worked there and they were talking about donor egg and you know I do firmly believe in the universe and things being put in front of you that are there at that time and this is like two and a half three years later so I was like 45 by now no sniff of a positive pregnancy at all so I spoke to my husband about it and um, we contacted the clinic and um, we went to the clinic, long story short, went to the clinic, decided to do donor egg there in Spain. At the time, and still is, anonymous. Um, and in the UK, it wasn't anonymous anymore with the uh, donor eggs. And that didn't really worry me so much, but I think it, it did worry my husband. He was less keen on um, knowing who the donor was. Um, so obviously, you know, it's taken us three years to get to this point. So it's certainly not a quick, you know, um, change mm. from trying to conceive with your own eggs to considering using donor eggs. So we went to the clinic and it was 
it was amazing because it was it was like one doctor, this nurse, a couple of embryologists. It was so different to the London clinic, which was busy, busy, always busy. And it was actually quite nice. It was in Marbella. So, you know, we went to a nice place and had a nice little holiday. Um, so we uh, that was our visit, like initial visit. We came home, got phone call, said, yes, um, we've got a donor for you. So we did the do- uh, donor egg and... Um, we uh, went ahead, did the, did the cycle and miraculously, oh, we had acupuncture, which I'd never done before. We had acupuncture before the cycle and after the cycle. She was an acupuncturist who worked with the clinic. What I liked about the clinic as well was that we always managed to speak to the doctor. There wasn't, you know, or, or the nurse. Um, and yeah, miraculously, I got pregnant. Gosh, what a shock. Um, but the HCG level, the blood level, obviously blood uh, result wasn't as high as it could have been. And um, unfortunately, uh, six and a half weeks, um, I had a, a miscarriage. Um, and I went into research overdrive. I just started, you know, I'd only had the one miscarriage. I wasn't chancing having another one. So I came across a miscarriage consultant here in the UK Um we made the point to see him because, and oh, I also read Dr. Alan Beer's book, Is Your Body Baby Friendly? Which is all about the natural killer cells, thrombophilia, immune issues, which I know there's very divided mm-hmm. thoughts on it. Um, and, and I think that is the case um, with infertility anyway, because everyone's different. And when you're thinking of trying to make a baby, you're actually involving two people to try and do something. Um, So anyway, I had all these tests, was convinced there'd be something wrong with me, and there wasn't. And they all came back within normal limits. But um, by this time, I'm 46. He did say that if the clinic was happy for me to do the drugs as if I did have an issue, a a, a blood clotting issue, then he was fine because the drugs were uh, steroid, aspirin and incidentally I'd taken aspirin with that pregnancy with the the first donor cycle when I did get pregnant so in my mind I was like halfway there Mm. but the aspirin wasn't enough um so anyway the clinic were fine they couldn't come up with any other reason why the donor egg you know cycle hadn't hadn't worked we didn't have any embryos to freeze so we had a different donor um went back and um it was actually at the time, do you remember that Icelandic volcano that erupted oh, yes. and yes. nobody could fly in Europe? We were supposed to be flying to Spain. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so talk about stressful. Oh, what <laughs> fortunately, well, fortunately, our time to fly. So when, you know, when we were due to fly over, they had opened the, the, the airspace just. But we were obviously looking at, you know, driving there, getting a ferry, driving there, et cetera, mm. et cetera, which might have been quite an exciting thing to do. But anyway, <laughs> fortunately, the airspace opened. So we went back. We did this cycle. So it was a different donor. Um, I had acupuncture before, acupuncture after. Uh, two day, two cell, two day old embryo. Each time, two embryos were put back, <clears throat> and the nurse said, when she called up, she said, "We want you to come in today to have the transfer uh, for two days." One of them's jumping up and down, shouting, "Pick me, pick me!" And I'm sure it's a girl. Well, her words. <laughs> <laughs> so we went in, had the embryo put back, and in Spain, unfortunately, your partner, your husband, can't go with you to have the embryo transfer. Okay. 
Um, but we obviously saw the embryo on the screen, uh, mm. et cetera, et cetera. And it was, and it's much nicer. It was nicer at that time because I was, I was able to lie down. So I stayed there for about an hour. I had the acupuncture afterwards. There was, you know, when we did IVF in London, it was like, you know, they popped the um, embryo back and it was like, bye. And, you know, you were booted out kind of thing. So it, it was much more relaxing. Um, and uh, I, I didn't really remember having any symptoms, but I every afternoon I lay down and I listen to a, uh, a CD at the time, which is a bit old fashioned, isn't it? Um, a visualization CD. And I used to listen to that and visualize the embryo snuggling in. And oh. so anyway, we came home. Um, I never tested. I never test. Um, the only one time I did test, I actually dropped the pregnancy test stick down the loo. So it was never oh, used. Sheila. <laughs> be used anyway so I just never bothered oh, testing <laughs> and so <clears throat> I went I went off for my um, appointment at, at the clinic to, at the hospital rather local hospital to yeah, have my bloods taken and then the clinic rang and said so how did your result go yesterday and I'm like but I've just had it done and they said but you were supposed to have it done yesterday so not only do I never test but I actually tested a day late oh. um so I said we're waiting for the GP to call so anyway the GP called and the GP said you're pregnant and told us the results and the results were like 800 or something like that um so they were super high um and so obviously we ran the clinic back and everyone was really happy and stuff and um <clears throat> so then I was worried that I was going to miscarry again obviously, although I did feel very different this pregnancy. So I spoke with my GP and, um, and the miscarriage consultant. And I said, I don't want to come off Clexane, which is a blood thinning injection. Um, and the miscarriage consultant said, but you can, you can come off at 12 weeks. I said, well, I don't want to. <laughs> and I said to the GP, I don't want to come off it. And then I spoke to the consultant at hospital. I was always under the consultant because by this time I was 46, I was due a week after turning 47. Um, so I always saw the female consultant and she said, if you want to carry on, you know, uh, taking the Clexane, that's fine. So I took the Clexane until I was 34 weeks pregnant. And again, you know, all these things, I don't know <clears throat> whether the, the steroid, the Clexane made a difference. I have no idea. But in my heart of hearts, I think it did. But you know what's striking me it. about your story, Sheila, listening mm. is, you know, obviously it's not the medication protocols themselves, because like you said, we're all so different. We all need different things. So we're not recommending any particular, you no. know, protocol right here. However, yeah. your approach, both feeling kind of really comfortable with your Spanish clinic, feeling very different to how it felt in London, you know, mm. having that direct contact and, and it being so personal. And then you also doing lots of research yourself doing great research seeing the right people bringing back all that information and and really wanting to be heard with what you had found out mm -hmm. and wanting to be part of the process because this is your body and your baby and you know although we can't prescribe medication ourselves absolutely you know we need to be guided by what is the right direction to go in I think we do need to feel that we are a part of it and not just feel like we're handing our bodies over to these fertility clinics and doctors and we don't even understand what's going on and I think although you said you didn't do much work on the mindset piece that's a huge part <laughs> about our mindset isn't it it's like do I feel mm. safe do I feel comfortable do I feel listened to you know and I that's something a massive kind of lesson I'd encourage everyone from what you're saying here is is to take that away and and just make sure that you feel you're with a, uh, a clinic that will listen and you mm. feel supported and that you do speak up and you use your voice and of course you listen to the to the advice given back as well but you feel like it's a partnership you know because 
it's such a different experience, isn't it, when you do it that way? And I can tell that you had mm. that two-way conversation going all the while. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, I didn't 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 sort of see it that way at the time. Mm. It was just that, you know, I was just determined to, you know, become a mum, however exactly. that happened, you know. Um, and and but I also think, you know, if, if you are at the very beginning, obviously I'd gained all this information over time you know and, and unfortunately a lot of people's journeys are like mine they are five or six years on or long sometimes even longer and, and you know if the first cycle doesn't work or you don't know enough and you think well that was a waste if it doesn't work you know don't beat yourself up because you you know you don't know what you don't know yeah. and that just comes with time and experience and all the wonderful information out there now um you know because there wasn't all this information Some, sometimes it feels like there's a little bit too much information but you find the information that's that's right for you don't you yeah absolutely yeah mm-hmm. so let's go back to your early pregnancy then with your daughter so yes you so yeah so I um yeah so I was able to take the uh, in, the, the blood in the injection up to 34 weeks and I mean I had I've, being 46 nearly 47 you know I was convinced I was going to have problems and I was going to be on bed rest the whole of it and I was going to have a really bad time and I didn't people didn't even know I was pregnant I was really disappointed that I had to like you know <laughs> stick out my stomach so it's kind of thing to show people that I was actually pregnant um so um yeah so so sh- she's now 10 years old I didn't have a good labor but that's another story <laughs> um, um but she's here she was she's here safe and sound yeah. and that's you know that's the main thing and we didn't have any um embryos to freeze after that cycle either which is quite when I look back now I think you know I'm sure we had quite a good number of eggs um but anyway um so we never actually had to make that decision about do we mm. you know use those friends embryos or do we let the frozen embryos yeah. go you know because as I say I was like 47 uh, when I had her so and listening to your story, obviously, is hugely inspiring, especially for anyone who's perhaps a similar age or considering looking at donor treatment mm. or traveling abroad. You know, this is a real life story and, and a real life success story as well. And and how you followed that path. But you said right at the start, you know, when it was first suggested to you to try donor eggs, recommended to you, you know, stop mm. using your own eggs, move on to donor, that it was a big no, first of all. Mm. And you, mm. you, you needed to go away and... And see what you could do naturally first. I mean, what was the switch for you there? Like when when did it feel like enough? You know, like this is enough now. I'm going to change path. Yeah. Well, um, I think it was because I I hadn't got pregnant and I'd never ever been pregnant. It's not like I'd miscarried or anything like that. You know, so far as I know, I'd never ever been pregnant. Mm. And it was just a case of this is not this is not going to happen. And do I want to be a mum or do we want to be parents some way, you know, somehow? Um, and, you know, to be honest, I think we were a little bit naive about the donor egg situation because we didn't know anyone who who had done it. So we couldn't speak to anyone. Obviously, the clinic um, had, had, you know, lots of people going. In fact, I later... Somehow, I think it was on a Facebook group, I somehow came across a girl who'd gone to the same clinic as us 
a couple of years before. She was like almost one of the first English people to have gone to this clinic. And she had twin girls. Um, but at the time, we didn't know anyone to speak to. So we were really mm. guided by the clinic. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we had we had the worries that everyone has these days. You know, what would the child look like? You know, what would the child look like me? And I used to have to tell myself, well, you know, we could have a child with my own eggs who doesn't look like me anyway, looks like my husband. So, you know. Um, there's no guarantee, is there? You there's know? no guarantee. And, and, and people see, if people are worried, well, what will people think? People mm. will see what they want to see. Because I met people who didn't know she was a donor egg. And when she's like, you know, maybe two, three years old. And they say, oh, doesn't she look like you? <laughs> And I go, yes, yes, she does, doesn't she? The same happened to me, Sheila, with my adopted son. I'd have people saying, I remember I took him for his first pair of shoes to be fitted. So he was really tiny. And the lady fitting the shoes looked at him and went, you've got beautiful eyes, just like your mum. And they're actually different colour eyes. And I was like, (laughs) how can she even see the same? But like you say, people see what they want to see, don't they? So, Yeah. yeah, but you know, you, you went through what the steps you needed to, you got to this point, you have your beautiful daughter. And, but I know that's not the end of the story for you. In fact, it, it almost felt like the beginning from, from when I met you and what I know for you, you know, that you're this author and this Mm -hmm. advocate and massive supporter of the fertility community. You dedicate so much time and so much energy to sharing with others, just like you are here today. Um, so could you tell us a little bit about that part of your story? It feels like a story of two halves almost. Yes. <laughs> so what happened after, you know, you became a mum? Well, I didn't actually, my husband and I had a business that was sold um, soon after she was born. So I didn't actually have a job to go back to. Um, and, you know, we'd, we'd been through all of this and we were like, well, I don't actually want to go back to work um, as such and have a career. So um, I'd always I'd always been aware of a magazine that had been around at the very end of, uh, of you know, trying to conceive a, a, before having Jessica. And, um, and I was like, you know, maybe I could do a magazine. Well, bear in mind, I've never done anything like this before. <laughs> um, so my husband's the technical one. And obviously I was, you know, sort of the, the one who was passionate about. And really it was about trying to get information out there to people. So, so I did start a magazine, which is how we met, because then I came across you and you were doing your summit. I'm like, how do you know all these people? <laughs> <laughs> And which you kindly wrote an article on uh, EFT for the magazine. So I did the magazine for two years. It was it was more of a labor of love um, because, again, this is like 2000 and where are we now? 2015, 16. Mm. So um, I loved putting it together and I loved you know, it was lovely to, to connect with so many people doing so much. Um, but it, at the end of the day, I, I, I had to, it, it was probably just a little bit too much for one person to do. Um, I think I did about eight, eight um, issues. Yeah, but a huge amount of work went into that, though. I can remember it, as each issue was released, it was yes, amazing it, to see. And I guess what you would have wanted when you were on your journey, because like you said, there wasn't so much information out there, was there, you know, 10 plus years ago. That's right. Um, it was much harder to access it. And then when you realised that, yes, suddenly, I guess the advent of social media and the internet mm. and, and bringing out all that information into the public domain. And if you could present it all together to make it easy for people, I can I can understand why 
that was a part of your story. Yes, yeah, getting it all into one place because you know when I mean the internet obviously was around when we started, but all all you could all I remember finding was pay ninety nine dollars get this and in three months you'll be pregnant mm. and that was all there was there wasn't yeah. anything else and yet when I was doing the magazine I was coming across people like yourself people who were experts people who you know and and so it was kind of like trusted information mm. which you don't always know on the internet if it is trusted but but obviously I was always coming up with what can I do for what can we do for next issues articles so I ended up with a spreadsheet of um just just things that people might want to know about so obviously I was looking at the spreadsheet when I was finished doing the magazine and I was like hang on a minute I could still put this information out there for people um but I'll put it in a book um and it ended up being my first book which is my fertility book um and that's just literally a glossary an a to z glossary of all the terminology from acupuncture all the way through to zinc and everything in between. Um, and because I was, as I said, I had been a nurse and a midwife, I wrote it in a obviously very jargon-free manner. So you should be able to pick it up and more or less understand, you know, um, I don't know, azuspermia or something um, without having to go down the rabbit hole of, of the mm. internet. You know, and there's illustrations in there as, as well. Um, and, um, and I self-published that book um, myself. And... Um, put it on Amazon and I was like okay how do I let people know it's there <laughs> because it's you know there's so many books on Amazon and it was I think it was Kate from your fertility journey I think she said join Instagram and I was like oh no please no I'm, I'm on Facebook I can't you know Twitter I can't cope with anything else but I went on Instagram I joined Instagram and I was just blown away mm. by how kind everybody was and how People were sharing, not, you know, oh, you know, the protocol, as you say, but how they were feeling emotionally. Yeah. And obviously that was like, um, it, it was like, my God, this, this is how I felt. But I didn't know that was how people felt when I was yeah. dealing with um, infertility and IVF and stuff. So, so again, I just kind of thought, can I get this information in a book for people who aren't on Instagram, for people who don't know? Um, and, and that was where my This Is series came from. Wonderful. And now, as you are a really prolific author with a whole list of books, <laughs> like you say, it's a This Is. So you've got um, This Is. What, did it start with This Is Trying to Conceive? That's right. Yes. So that's just about trying to conceive, nothing else. Mm-hmm. And then there's um, This Is IVF, because a lot of people who do struggle to get pregnant, do need IVF or IUI. Um, and then there's, this is the two week wait, because if you do IVF or IUI, you have to have, unless your cycle is canceled, you would go through a two week wait. And then the recent one, which I published um, in uh, September-ish of last year, October, is this is pregnancy and baby loss. And um, the next book, and actually it's not quite to do with this, series it's a book I'm specifically doing for the um, black Asian ethnic minorities so it's all ladies from the ethnic um, those ethnic Mm. minorities have written about their experience all the way from trying to conceive all the way through to um, stillbirth and neonatal death because 
we all experience the same emotions going through the whole, you know, uh, all the way from trying to conceive uh, to pregnancy loss, if unfortunately you've had a miscarriage. But there are other stigmas and taboos for women from those ethnic mm. communities where it's not spoken about enough and it's not understood enough. So all my books, although they are short stories of people's experience, so if you're going through it, you can relate, resonate with one of them or two of them or even more. These, I hope they all also raise awareness so you could give them to somebody else mm. to find out what it's like. Yeah, I was thinking awareness, yeah, outside of mm. just mm. The, the women and the men who are trying to conceive, exactly. but also into the community that's supporting them. I mean, and that's where you come in with your background of mid, even midwifery, of, of even at that point when they are pregnant yeah. and they're being supported to have that knowledge of what it's like to have been through a fertility journey mm. and then be in labour with this precious baby. You know, it's, it's having that understanding standing isn't it um so I think yeah the fact you're so so visible now with this wonderful series of books and I, I hope they are getting out there into the right hands and and that's why you know I wanted you here partly as well to to share that so that people can see there is so much more information and support than they realize is available um it's literally everywhere now and like you say some will want to find that on Instagram and connect with what is a really mm. beautiful community there or other social media platforms yeah, yeah. um others may not want to do that may not want to be online but they would really appreciate a book to can still connect them you know with all of that knowledge and all of that yeah. support so it's a wonderful thing you've done you've dedicated so many I'm not even going to say hours you know <laughs> months and years of your time so much of your time into to creating these really beautiful resources and I know that you have um, a giveaway at the moment don't you of your um, this is trying to conceive ebook copies Yes, yeah, I'm giving away 10,000 free copies of This Is Trying To Conceive ebook. Um, and that, um, that was just, yeah, it, it was again just to, I mean, I actually started it um, in November, which was National Fertility Awareness Week here in the UK. But it will go on, obviously, until 10,000 copies are given away. And it just kind of blows my mind that I could help 10,000 people. Mm. You know, so it is it is available from um, the, the link you've got there, which just takes you to a landing page, um, which does get you to put your email address in. But you can unsubscribe. I really don't mind. I don't. Think, in fact, I love it when people unsubscribe from sort of, you know, email sort of, uh, you know, newsletters that I've got because they, they email me sometimes and say, oh, I'm unsubscribing because I'm pregnant. Yes. Which I think it's wonderful. I think, yeah, go yeah. for, you know, I don't want you on my list anymore. Go exactly. away. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, it's the, it's the only kind of connection with people, isn't it, in fertility where you yeah. have, they're not going to need you for too long. So, right. you know, we, we love connecting with this community, but it's even more amazing to see when they kind of graduate onto, oh, onto motherhood. Absolutely. Mm. So what I'm going to do, Sheila, is include all of the links to this wonderful 10,000 ebook giveaway that you have. I'm going to include mm -hmm. the link to claim that um, and the links to your website and your other books and your social media all on the podcast page, which which will be at episode number 15. So that will be at um, fertilemindset.com slash episode dash one five, um, or just go to the podcast page on my site and you'll find it there because yeah, this is it's such a wonderful resource and I'm, I'm really you. pleased that we can get that out there. And, and you know, if that book is, is useful and inspiring, then of course there's the others in the series. And I was just thinking if I can put an idea forward for another book for you, Sheila, <laughs> I was thinking, I you know, 
the whole concept of donor treatment in itself oh yes is, yes is huge and brings up just like you were saying mm. you know with the minorities as well it brings up such unique challenges yeah. that simply you know people who simply look at IVF as a standalone treatment don't really necessarily understand all the other thoughts all the other yeah. challenges and things to work through that you need to get to in order to go through a, a donor cycle or just to decide whether that is right for you um so yeah I'm going to put that put that one in the hat <laughs> <laughs> I think I've already got a list of another five to do oh really wow <laughs> so um yes yes so uh, donor conception is definitely and, and and as I've grown as a sort of you know realizing what people want then I I will just go back and I will just add stories to these books you know so they're kind of like a kind of like a work in progress they're a finished pro work now but they can always be added to because you know um there's just so many stories out there to tell there are definitely and we hope to feature more on this podcast as well it's been such a pleasure to listen to your story initially and then hear yeah where you've been since then it's just so beautiful so inspiring and I know that you're going to be around for the fertility community, you know, on an ongoing basis. And I expect to see you at all the wonderful events in London where we used to bump into each other. (laughs) Hopefully that's possible again soon. Yeah, it's really lovely to have this conversation with you, Sheila. Thank you for everything you do for the community. It's such worthwhile work. It's, It's a real pleasure to chat to you as well. So take care. Thanks so much for joining us. And you take care, everybody. Bye bye. I'm so pleased you're listening to the Fertile Mindset podcast and now I would love to invite you to join us in the Fertile Mindset Sanctuary. The Sanctuary is my fertility support membership which is focused on taking care of you and helping you enjoy your life while you wait for your baby. In the Sanctuary, I'll guide you through using an amazing technique called EFT or tapping and you'll soon be feeling less stressed and more joyful. If you're not already in the Sanctuary, do come and join us today because the best time to start receiving support on your fertility journey is always right now. Honestly, it makes such a difference to have good quality emotional support and techniques that you can pick up and use yourself whenever you need them. Go to fertilemindset.com slash sanctuary to join us today. I look forward to hopefully seeing you there and at the next episode of the Fertile Mindset Podcast.